Before we start today's episode, I wanted to give a quick disclaimer. In this episode, we talk a lot about depression, specifically suicidal ideation, which can be triggering for some. So this episode is not recommended if that is a topic that you are not comfortable with. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Soberland. My name is Lindsay, and today's guest is my friend Marla. Hey, Marla. Hey, Lindsay. To give everyone a little backstory, Marla and I actually went to high school together. So we've known each other for a long time. Mm-hmm. And we went to a, it was a small <laughs> private Christian school that uh, we could probably do a whole episode about. Absolutely. And talk- <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and talk about all the crazy stuff we saw. Um, but yes, we've known each other for a while. We, we played volleyball together, on the yes. volleyball team. Um, we watched a lot of Adam Sandler movies together. Yes, yes, yes. Your mom used to always make, um, what are those called? Arepas. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I thought they were so cool because I obviously was not <laughs> exposed to that, to that right. in my household. Um, can you remind me what it is exactly? So it's cornmeal, um, a specific cornmeal, harina pan, and then you... Um, it essentially looks like an English muffin, but you cut it open. Like you, you, you can cook it however, bake it, fry it, whatever. And then you um, cut it open and usually put cheese and butter. And then you can also add shredded beef, plantains. Oh, yes. Like, I mean, they're amazing. I mean, yeah. I make them once a week in my house now. So, Oh, they were so good. Where, yeah. Where's your mom from? Originally? Venezuela. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So she, yeah, it was like my favorite thing in the whole world, going to your house and eating those. <laughs> I so love good. it. I'm going to tell her and she's going to probably cry. Aww. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, man, we haven't seen each other in a really long time. Um, I think we met up a few years ago. I was down in South Florida. We met at like a beer bar and had a drink. At Laser Wolf. Yeah. We, yeah. But we didn't even mean to. I think I was there and you were there and we just happened to run into each other. Oh, cool. okay. Yeah. yeah. That, that's probably right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it's been a while but we've been staying connected on social media yes a little bit so I kind of know what's going on I know you're a mom now Mm -hmm. right how how old is your son he is four and a half oh what's his name Nolan oh that's a cute name yeah he's awesome like on like I said we've been staying in contact on social media and I just want to actually tell you, I really admire a lot that you share and post about. I think a lot of your posts are really genuine, honest. One thing that you you post a lot about is your mental health mm-hmm. and love that, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, and most recently, you did a post that really helped me a lot. You're kind of sharing your story with your struggle with depression mm-hmm. and your decision to start medication to help with that. Yeah, I just wanted to take this time to one, catch up with you and about what's been going on with your life, but also if, hear a little bit more about that if you're comfortable sharing. Absolutely. Um, first, thank you for the compliment. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, I mean, the catch up kind of is included in this whole journey with um, mental health and getting on meds. So my psychiatrist has diagnosed me with premenstrual dysphoric disorder. It's called, it's PMDD. I've had multiple. Um, my gynecologist has also diagnosed me with it, but they just wanted me to go on birth control. But I was like, I'm already crazy. I don't like, I'm scared to mess with like my hormones and get more crazy. And I was just like really freaked out. Um, I just want to like clarify one thing really quick. Cause like I I've been diagnosed with that too. And I remember okay. when I told my 
fiance he was like what is that like pms and it's like right it's right. not it's yes. not pms it's not like i need no. some chocolate and like a nicholas Correct. sparks movie <laughs> like yes this is like i can't stop crying mm-hmm. i can't like i don't want to move i don't want to leave my house it's like a very low low so yeah and that's something that i definitely want to talk about in it because even when i went so my ob like my OBGYN said that and i was like okay cool cool like sure i'm just gonna white knuckle it. I'm going to work out more. I'm going to cut out foods that are inflammatory, like white bread so that I, you know, especially around my period, or I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to do all these things to try to prevent it. And it still would not let up. Like there was three days that I could guarantee that I was going to be, um, really ragey, which as a mother is not good. Uh, I mean, as it, in regular life, like it, it genuinely was disrupting my life. I can't believe my partner stuck around. Um, and I mean, I've thrown remotes at friends. Like I've broken my, thrown my phone across the kitchen. Like it was, it was bad. And I was scared to accept that diagnosis. Um, so even when I went to my psychiatrist, as she was just asking questions, um, I threw that in there. I was like, yeah, you know, someone said PMDD, whatever. Um, And then towards the end of our hour long, like her just asking questions about my life and how it plays out and all that and, and how I experience the different depression, rage, sadness, like she said, okay, I know you mentioned that you thought it was maybe not real, which I've listened to TED Talks about it. I've looked at research papers about it, which there aren't a ton. No one wants to study women because there's so many variables. Like, I mean, not no one woman is the same in the hormones and the whether you're a mom or not. Like, there's so many variables scientifically to, like, study a woman and, and a group of women. So it's really hard to um, – so not a lot of people have done it. And mm-hmm. also just, like, patriarchy, you know. Yeah. Um, no one cares. Uh, we just have to deal with our shit and like be okay, content, suffering. Like I literally have an app and I could tell you, okay, this day, this day, this day is when I'm going to be a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is usually what, like three days before you get your period? Mine was during ovulation. Okay. Mine was during ovulation. My period wasn't as bad. Like I would just be the night before my period, I would probably cry a lot, but I would get the ragey, like don't touch me, don't look at me, really insecure also, like, like, there, whatever friend in my life I was really close to at that time, or, like, spending time with, I'd be like, oh my god, they don't like me anymore, and, like, nothing would, there'd be no reason, like, it was mm-hmm. just, like, ugh, blessings on my partner, because he was so patient, um, by the end of the psychiatrist meeting, she was like, I know you're saying, like, you don't fully, you know, you kind of dismissed it when you said it to me, but I really do genuinely believe that you do have this. And she's like, I did my PhD, like my doctorate, like on women's mental health, involved, like revolving around um, the menstrual cycle. And you have, she's like, there's people who have zero symptoms of it, people who are like in the middle, give or take. And then there's people who have all the textbook um, symptoms that check off. And one of the biggest ones was when I was pregnant with my son, that was the first time I felt normal. Like it was a difficult pregnancy because it was a surprise. It wasn't, you know, planned. There was a lot going on in me and my partner's life at that time. We hadn't been together very long. Um, It was just, a, you know, I was dealing with my faith crisis at that point. I don't Mm -hmm. even know if crisis is the right word, but like 
there was just a lot. So there were, but I, but I didn't feel that extreme up and down of my ability to handle those things. And so that's a big, so apparently it's because you have more progesterone when you're pregnant. Um, and so that's why I felt more calm and chill. But then as soon as I had my son, oh my God, like it was, it was really difficult. Um, lots of rage, lots of, um, lots of just dealing with like, who am I now? Which I know um, moms in general, whether you have PMDD or not, like that's a really tough part of becoming a mom. And even four years later, I'm still sometimes like, who am I? You know, like I used to be this person and this is how I identified myself or this is how, like what I did for fun or for in my free time and like what I cared about. And now it's so different. And am I even taking care of myself? Am I even paying attention to my needs? Um, cause you're just spent by the end of the day. Um, right. What is the medical term for that? For which one? I, for like those symptoms that you're describing that you feel after you have a child. Oh, um, postpartum. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Um, I like don't have a kid, so I, <laughs> these are things that I, I need to learn because it, it could be happening, but yeah. So postpartum, um, like depression, is that mm-hmm. the, like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because, well, not funny, but it's interesting because it's, it hits people at different times. Like there is the actual, like right after, um, because your hormones are all changing around and depending on whether you're breastfeeding or not, or you know, whatever, if you go on birth control right away, like I'm sure that affects it. But, um, we had no money at that point. We were, we just moved to, we were going to move to Orlando. We were still a new relationship, still like figuring things out. Um, and so that didn't help, but it was still that, like, I can handle things. I can handle things. Oh shit. On these three days, like I cannot handle anything and, you know, don't talk to me. Don't look at me. Um, was there like anything that would help you feel better at all with that? Or was it really just like a feeling of hopelessness? It was genuinely a feeling of hopelessness because even if I knew, let me sit outside for a little bit, let me go for a walk, getting myself to do that, first of all, was so difficult And then, because it was exactly what you said, that feeling of hopelessness, and then going and doing it and not feeling better made me feel worse. Because it was like, well, fuck, I can't even, like, walk it out. I can't even, like, do stuff that would normally make me feel better. Yeah. So, like, it sounds like there was a lot of, like, anger and rage. Yeah. And then, like, some sad, like, sadness, like... Some, like, self-identity, like, who am I, Um, (laughs) impacting your relationships. Mm -hmm. Like, it sounds like it really was a destructive, painful thing to go through every single month for three days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. All this time, I had been in therapy. So I've I've been in therapy for almost a decade now. Like, so I was trying to address these things. Like, I was trying to figure out the underlying issue, right? Like, oh, it has to be some emotional thing. So I express fear through anger. Like when I'm, it's gotten a lot better now, but um, when I'm scared, I respond in anger because that's my, so I'm the fight. Like I'm not mm-hmm. running, I'm fighting, even though, you know, like I'm a scared little bitch. Like I'm just still gonna like try to fight and be as loud as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I got super anxious or when, like that's when I would do the rage. And so like, in those three days, the anxiety of just brushing my teeth felt like 
a chore, like felt like if I was going to rearrange the whole house, like it felt so difficult. And then much less to now have a kid that I have to make sure I'm brushing his teeth or I'm feeding him. I don't want to feed myself. I have to feed my kid. There would be times where he would literally come and be like, mommy, can you get out of bed? Like, and I felt so bad because I was like, this poor kid, like is seeing me crying, not able to handle myself. And he's so compassionate. Like he's the, oh my God, like we don't deserve him. We say it every day. We're like, he's just the best kid ever. We don't deserve him. He's so, he's so awesome. Um, He's like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. He's a pain in the ass sometimes like any kid, but like, oh my God, he just, there's moments where I'm like, you are from whatever exists out beyond us. Like, oh my God. Um, He was the reason and my partner was the reason. So I still wasn't the reason that I was trying to get out of all this. Like, and then it would, and then it would end. Three days would end. And I'd be like, I'm fine. Like, okay, I'm fine. So I'm just going to try again harder this time and like not let it happen. And so yeah. I would, it would be such a, like a sharp forgetting it, like forgetfulness, like my brainwash it like, oh, it's over. I'm done. And my eyes would still be puffy from, from crying or from fighting, um, like, and crying myself to sleep. I mean, I remember one night when you're saying about crying closer to when I was going to get on meds. I remember Andrew coming in, that's my partner's name. And he was, came into bed and I'm just, the TV wasn't on nothing. And I'm literally sobbing to the point that I can't breathe. And I could not tell you why. And he was like, okay, I'm going to try to be nice, but like, are you okay? Like, what is going on? It freaked me out. I just hated that feeling of lack of control. But then at the same time, I was in like PMDD groups on Facebook. I followed a blog, but it would just, it just felt like, and I don't know if if this is a similar feeling when you're going through like sobriety where people maybe are so like, just want to share the negative and there's no solution. Like, Mm -hmm. cool. I'm glad you yelled at your son. You know, like, yeah, so did I. I yelled at my son and threw my phone and, you know, stormed at the house. But like, what are we going to do about it? Like, it just, I don't want to be reminded, especially on my good days. Like I would almost like judge the women on my good days. Like, Oh, I can't believe you did that. When it's like, I did something worse three days ago, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're on this to find like solutions right? figure out how to get out of it. Not just dwell on exactly the, the negative. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. So that was like another reason I didn't want to identify or, or claim that diagnosis. Cause it was like, well, I'm not these ladies, which like I was, and there's nothing wrong with what they were going through because they have the same um, disorder, but it just, it is ugly. So like I, on my good days, I was like, yeah, that's, that's stupid. That's yeah. Because I was telling myself the same thing. I was telling myself how dumb, lack of self-control, bad mother, bad partner, which led to, obviously this year has been shitty for everybody, but what really got me to get on meds was the suicidal ideation that came with this. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was pretty scary. Um, Harmless feeling ones were like, just like, "Uh, I'm going to bed. It'd be nice to not wake up or I'm driving without my son in the car. Like "Uh, if I turn right now and this car hits me, that'd be nice. Um, And then the one that I remembered that really got me was I was, cleaning the kitchen and there was like one of the big um knives and I just was like staring at it on the side of the um 
sink and I was like, huh. And I like, I can't tell you that I thought, oh, I would do X, Y, and Z. I just was like, huh, I wonder, like, I would love to feel something. Like, I would love to just get out of whatever feeling I have right now. And this, like, so I, I, I can't even verbalize, like, what the feeling was, but it freaked me out so much that um, I texted my two best friends and I was like, hey, that have kind of walked me, you know, like, have been through this journey with me. I've thro- thrown remotes at them and yelled at them and, you know, they've experienced my, the bad side of it. Um, I was like, Hey, I'm going to look into meds. Cause like, I can't, this is getting scary for me. Like I'm scared of myself. Um, yeah. Much less like for my son and my partner, you know? Right. Well, thank you for, for sharing that. I don't want to like take away from your story right now, but I just feel like I need to let you know, like you're not alone in those feelings oh, yeah. because yeah. I've, uh, felt almost exactly the three scenarios that you just described right before I got on medication. I had those feelings of mm. just like, not like an, a, like a plan in place. Right. I just, but just like, man, it would just be easier if I didn't mm-hmm. wake up, if I wasn't mm-hmm. alive, like mm-hmm. I wouldn't, there'd be like some relief. Yep. Um, oh my God. if That's I just like, word. yeah. And, um, you know, if I didn't wake up tomorrow or like, what if I just drove off this road or I've even like, I've been around a knife and been like, well, just like had these thoughts, not mm-hmm. like I'm going to grab it and hurt myself, but right. there's, there's thoughts there that mm-hmm. were just, um, scary. And yeah. I, I think, you know, I've had that and I think a, a lot of us have that, but we, I think with me, like I was nervous to even tell my therapist because I was mm. like, is she going to call the police like, right, or correct you? Yeah. And she told me, she's like, well, I would hope at this point there's enough trust here where, you know, I'm not going to like run and tell somebody like I would only do that if they're if I saw a real like need or issue right. and I think I, I understand what you're saying at this point that it's just like these thoughts and mm-hmm. there's no action there's no plan and you want to get rid of them you know you're here to talk about so that made me feel better it made me feel like I could be more open about it with her but uh, I think it's a scary thing to talk about because you don't know how people are going to react when you share that Oh, for sure yeah yeah even after posting what I posted um a couple of friends that I know through Andrew, my partner reached out to him and were like, Hey, are things okay? And it was like super sweet. They were definitely like well-intended and stuff. But, um, and then I got a couple of people reach out to me that I'm like, uh, I definitely know, can tell you haven't been to therapy. Like, uh, cause it's like, Hey, if you, you know, it was very, um, it was very well-intentioned. It was super nice, but it was like, Oh, you haven't experienced this. Like you, I'm not ready. I haven't written a letter and I'm not ready to go do this. I just, you know, my brain takes me to this place at this time of month, you know? So it was just Mm -hmm. super interesting, like the different responses. Yeah. That made me realize like, oh shit, this is something that uh, is tough to share because people, some people don't understand the same way I don't understand things that I haven't gone through. Yeah. And I think that you might agree, but the, the saddest, scariest part was for me was that these thoughts were even coming up. It wasn't genuinely who I was as a person. I, you know, I didn't want to hurt myself. I didn't want to end my life, mm-hmm. but I had depression and I had these thoughts that I, I really, I couldn't help when they would come. That would bring the most sadness is like, mm-hmm. why do I have this thought? I don't want this thought go away, right. but it would still come up. And did you feel like, so like for me, it was, nothing would be different. Like there wasn't any extra stress. There wasn't any extra like, but I would feel like my mind and body would be reacting as if there was like, there was nothing like, you know, 
if something were to, God forbid, happen to Nolan, like, I would definitely be like, okay, I could see why I would not want to be here anymore. Nothing like that was happening. Everything was, quote unquote, normal. So there was no reason for me to feel this way in that other than the imbalance or whatever is going on in my brain. Would you say that that's similar? Like, Yeah. So typically that was the case. Just to share my experience with this, I've always had anxiety consistently, like basically every moment of every day. Um, But Mm -hmm. the depression kind of comes in waves, you know, usually around that time where of month for me or like when that the PMDD symptoms come up. But this most recent time when it got really, really bad, uh, there were some some things in my life that I think played a part, like my job situation. I kept on bouncing from job to job, trying to find a fix. And each one was like worse than the last. Mm. And I had just started another job and I was a few days in and I was like, here I am in the same situation again. Eric and I were also living at my parents' house for like a month and a half. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. In between all of our travels, we stopped there. Um, And I love my parents to death. But it's, yeah. But it's a lot to be an adult and then go live with your parents. So I think that played a part. And then just, um, I think all the uncertainty right now in our life about Mm -hmm. where we're going to end up and what's Mm -hmm. next, it's fun, but it's also like a lot of unknown. And I think, so I think a lot of those things also played a part in, in my last like depressive episode. It was by far the worst one I've ever had. And so I was talking to my therapist about it and she was saying, Lindsay, you know, I I know that you don't really like the idea of medication, but I think that you're kind of to a point where you need it and it's not going to like change your whole world so that there's, you know, sunshine and rainbows and, but it's going to like the way she phrased it, it's going to move the needle a little bit. Mm -hmm. So there's a little less suffering there. You don't need to suffer this much. And I was like, okay. And I was thinking about it, but kind of like what you said about the Facebook group with the PMDD Facebook group, I feel mm-hmm. like with me- with medication, it's a similar thing. I, a yes. lot of yes. stories that I hear about medication are, are negative. Plus, I, I tried medications before. Uh, to be honest, I think the longest I took one was maybe three weeks. So I didn't give it a mm. fair shot. But I would always stop because I would feel the side effects, which yeah. you're going to feel side effects the first mm-hmm. one to two weeks. But I would get scared. You know, I've heard these stories. Uh, yeah. What if... What if I have a negative reaction? And so I would stop. And so all of this fear was keeping me from taking the leap to to try medication. And then I saw your post and you were sharing how you started, I believe, Prozac mm-hmm. yes. and how it's changed your life and it, yeah. for the better. And I was like, wow, I think this is the first time I've heard someone like share a positive mm-hmm. experience with medication. And so um, it really inspired me to set up that phone call with a psychiatrist and get started on something. And I'm, so I'm on uh, Lexapro right now. I just, nice. it's, yeah, I think it's, this is my third or fourth week. I'm on like five milligrams right now. So like super low and right, I, right. I feel really great. I, I've definitely Good. had some side effects the first week, yeah. um, which I was going to ask you about your experience with that. I had like some nausea and headaches, mm-hmm. a little tingling, clenching my jaw a lot, which is a weird huh. one. Yeah. But overall, I feel like my depression has gotten so much better. And I think a lot of it is I I did change those things that I was talking about in my life. Like I, you know, we're no longer living with my parents. Um, (laughs) I I quit that job and combined with the medication, I I feel a lot better. So it's been a good experience for me. So thank you again for for sharing your, that post because that really helped me. But so, yeah, I'm sorry to. No, I love hearing that. No, 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 no. I don't want to 
take away from your story, but no, yeah. no, no, no. It's I feel like it's a collective story because um, the only reason I really seriously considered it. So back to CCA. So I don't know if you remember Josh Sobel. Oh yeah. So by the way, CCA is where we went to high school. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Calvary, Calvary Christian Academy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Josh Sobel, he was uh, a grade under us. So he yeah. posted um, something on Facebook about like his journey with Christianity or something. And then he ended up starting a discord group, which is like a messaging server or whatever. And it's like for, it's called CCA survivors. Um, and it is, it's been really cathartic to be honest. Cause like we can laugh at like some of the stuff that we've experienced and seen and, and the people in our lives and Wait, whatever. CCA survivors. I kind of, <laughs> Oh, you have to join it. You would love it. Uh, and you could probably get a lot of podcasts. Uh, there's a lot of interesting stories and places that people have gone with like their experience. So at first I didn't participate and then it started getting good. And I was like, all right. And everyone's like super, I mean, it's people that are in our similar situation. Like there are some people who are still involved in the church and who still, and so there's nice debate and like respectful, like back and forth, but there's a lot of um, people who are no longer a part of that and are just you know, living different lives. And it's been really cool to like hear what people have done with what we were given, I guess. And we were obviously like privileged, you know, beyond anything, but going to a private school, like, yes, it sucked, but you know, we yeah, were afforded I mean, a lot. Yeah. We weren't, I guess like we, we weren't like beaten or anything, no. <laughs> but not, it, it, not physically, emotionally and spiritually. <laughs> I think just like uh, yeah, that's true. I think a way to like uh, to sum it up, it was kind of like cult like. Oh, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, and uh, yeah, a, a lot of fear instilled in us. Like, if yes. you live this way, if yep. you drink alcohol, if you have sex before you're marriage, you're gonna get pregnant if, and die. Yeah, it's basically so, or you're gonna get kicked out of school. I, exactly, I, uh, for sure, for sure. So we started this group, and then there's a mental health like uh, subcategory, right? And so a lot of people were very open, and I'm very much like owe them gratitude and appreciation because they were very open with their journeys. And those were the people that shared their positive journeys. And even like, I started out with this, it didn't do well. So then I went to this and then one person, which I didn't ask them ahead of time if I could say their name, so I'm not going to, but um, they told me literally, they were like, you are worth not suffering anymore. And that was the first time it wasn't about Nolan. It wasn't about Andrew. It wasn't about me getting good grades in school, it was about like, oh, I don't want to sit in my brain anymore. Because that was where the ideation came from, right? It was like what you said, like, I'm not this person, this sucks, like, this is something taking over me. And it's I hate it, you know? Um, Yeah. And so they said that to me. And I was like, they're right, like, I am worth not suffering. And so I talked to a couple people, like privately in that group about their experience, because I was still nervous. And still kind of in denial. And then um, a couple other women in my life were very open about their, especially as mothers, as their, about their process. Because because motherhood right now, you know, there's a lot of, oh, you know, when is it five o'clock so I can start drinking my bottle of wine to get over oh, my day? If, because- I, if, if I see another, like, mommy needs her juice, like, yeah. I'm going to freaking lose it. I'm so sick of these, like, wine signs at Home Goods and shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so, like, that's what it is. It's like, oh, my God, mommy needs a break. Like, yeah, it, it's hard and it fucking sucks. But also, like, we chose to do it. So, like, and it doesn't help at all. Like, that's what I think I realized. Like, that's why I've kind of taken a step back as well. It's like, this doesn't help me 
be a better mom at all. And it doesn't help me the next day because I don't want to talk to any. Like, this is just dumb. Say, I really love that what you shared that you saw in that group about how, like, you don't deserve like to suffer. To suffer. Mm-hmm. I actually saw something um, recently, I think, on, like, Instagram uh, talking about, like, stop telling people that struggle with suicide ideation that they shouldn't hurt themselves because of their loved ones. They shouldn't hurt themselves because of mm, them, you know? Wow. And I think that that's like a, something that we need to like kind of reframe a little bit. You don't need to guilt people into not hurting themselves or not having suicidal thoughts because of their family necessarily. It's like, what about them? Like let's, mm. they don't deserve to have that suffering. Cause in that ideation time, it's like, it feels like the relief for you. Like, it's like, you have no idea what's going on in my head. Um, yeah. and I do, and I live in it. And cause, cause that's one of the things that like, like I wrote a little, like, I don't even know what you would call it. Like stream of conscious or poem or something for like a PMDD blog. And it was basically like my, like, how can I tell my partner that even though I'm the one that the metaphor was like, I'm the one that put the bombs in the minefield that I don't even know where they are. Mm-hmm. I don't know what sets them off but I'm the one that did it, but I did it blind. Like I have no freaking idea. Like it's making me suffer just as much as it's making him suffer. But how do you believe? So it's, it's honestly given me a lot of empathy as a mother because like, I do feel very childlike in that sense that the emotions get way bigger than my ability to control them. Just like Mm -hmm. my four-year-old when he's upset and he hasn't learned how to self-soothe in certain things or whatever, that I feel way more compassion. It's like, Hey buddy, like, yeah, I totally get frustration that like makes you want to throw your toy. Like, and I'm, and I've had to say, I know you've seen mommy do the same thing, which is so embarrassing, feels so shameful, but I try to change that and like, you know, Brene Brown, like not keep it in shame and let it be just guilt that I now try to change. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's, it is, it's hard for our loved ones to see us and even for ourselves to believe that like, we're not doing this on purpose. We're not doing yeah. this even because we don't have enough self-control. It's something that's outside of us. Yeah. And none of it's intentional for sure. No, absolutely. Oh my God. That would be like, then yeah, then definitely like lock me up somewhere. If I'm intentionally trying to sabotage my life, like, <laughs> I don't know, like. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's hard to not think that. Um, yeah. Looking on and from I, the outside. And, and it brings, yeah. And that's like I was saying before, it brings like an, an extra layer of sadness because you're like, I don't want to do this and I mm-hmm. can't help it and I can't control it, but I don't want it. And it's not who I am. So yeah, I totally, I totally get that. So you went to a psychiatrist. Yes. How did that go? That went well. So first of all, I want to touch on, um, I've never had good insurance. Um, cause I've always been like either a nanny, a bartender. I've never had like a real job. Um, I guess in that sense, like a a job that provides insurance. And my partner and I aren't married um, because just because that's where we're at right now. Um, And so I wasn't under his insurance. And finally, his company accepted, um, what is it, cohabiting partners. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is the first time I've ever had like good insurance. So I've been going to the doctor like crazy. So I would (laughs) get it. Check it all out. I don't even care. Like full body CT. Exactly. Oh yes. Oh my God. Um, so I don't think I would have been able to do this. And that's where I get, like, I, I think I mentioned that in the post, like it is very frustrating that this feels like a privilege as opposed to a right that, you know, um, 
people are able to go and seek help and get medication. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, so UCF, so I'm, I'm a student at UCF and I was able to find a psychiatrist through UCF. Um, and it was, I wasn't sure how it was going to be. Um, Cause I've been to therapy, like I said, for a long time, but I, I've always been leery of like psychiatrists. Cause like, oh, are you just going to prescribe me something just to like, you know, get it over with or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but she spent like a good hour, hour and a half, just asking me a bunch of questions, um, and really trying to understand how it played out, some family history, um, uh, different methods that I've used to try to, you know, help myself in the past. And, you know, when she suggested Prozac, I was like, okay, I was like, you know, whatever. Cause at that point I was really low, like in that ideation and just really down. So I was like, sure. I'll try it. Put I, always, me- I always think, sorry, I always think of Tony Soprano. I don't know if you watched The Sopranos. I haven't, which is so sad. That, that's what he's on is Prozac. So. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> Whenever I hear anyone say that I'm on Prozac, I think of Tony Soprano. <laughs> oh, it's been the best. Like, And it was funny because I, I saw her right before finals of spring 2020. Yeah. Okay. No, so spring 2021. Over- spring 2021. And I was like, it was the hardest semester I've ever been in. I almost failed a class. Like I had my son home full time and I was in three science courses. It was miserable. So I was like a full storm of, you know, anxiety, depression, anger, whatever. So I was like, oh, good. I get them before finals. Like maybe it'll help me be more calm and not freak out. So thankfully, and I know that this is a fortunate situation, but I didn't have a ton of side effects. So the first day I was a little dizzy and... I was a little sleepy. So I had to kind of, I've messed around with taking them in the morning or at night based on like, like how my body responds to it. But I, I'm on, I started at 10 milligrams. I'm on 20 now. I'm going to talk to her because around, still around the time of like my period, I can tell, like, obviously it's not all butterflies and roses, right? Stuff is still Mm going to get to us. But I definitely feel like, uh, I maybe need a little more help. So we're, we're like, we're talking through that. So I see her once every like three to six months. Yeah. I didn't have a ton of side effects. My biggest side effect, which we talked about is my Prozac dreams. They're insane. Um, they're very realistic to the point where I'm like, did I help that friend move? Did I call them? Did I send them like a baked good? Like what the, f- um, <laughs> And my favorite one, which I think you'll appreciate because I think you like her as a comedian, is I was on Moshe and Natasha's. I was like, I won oh, a prize yeah. where I got to like sit in on their podcast recording. What's it called? The Honeymoon? The Endless Honeymoon. Yeah, yeah. So like I got, they for some reason they were in Miami, like the specific road that you take to go to Wynwood from Fort Lauderdale. Wait, like I was it, on the road. Is this real life or the dream? This is the dream. Okay, okay. But it felt like real life. Um, <laughs> so I'm there and like all of a sudden I start making out with Natasha um and it's like and then Moshe's just like continues to talk like it's like nothing it was just so like we took calls like how they take like embarrassing or secret calls but it it had like I swore it happened like it felt like it really happened so like it's fun when it's those kind of dreams but then it's (laughs) not (laughs) but then it's not she's an attractive woman I mean I get it like I would totally throuple with them oh my god (laughs) um they're hilarious and they're like they're great but it was just, it's like the ones that I don't like are when I, how I went to Patmos, the, the extra culty cult off of Calvary, off of our school, you know, I'm yeah, about- that was like, uh, I remember that I did not go, but 
after high school, I know a lot of kids went to this thing, yeah, called Patmos. It was like a cult. Yeah, but like what? <laughs> it was like a boot camp, like a spiritual boot camp. Yeah, you guys like went out of the country, right? We it was in the Bahamas for us. Yeah, yeah. and you guys lived basically like a boot camp type lifestyle where you just like worked and studied the Bible and sometimes we're not asleep. Sometimes couldn't shower. Sometimes blah, 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 blah. Just like, yeah. that's a whole, like one day I'm going to write a book when I'm an old lady. Um, but anyway, like, so I have dreams about that and they're very <laughs> vivid. Like if I have to go back now, knowing what I know and not being involved in that at all. And it's like terrifying. And I get that. Like, like I wake up with the physical feeling like, Oh shit, I was there. So those aren't fun, but like, the Natasha ones like I've had some other funny ones but like that's my biggest side effect is that so I just, just like have vivid very, oh my god super vivid dreams um there was like a zombie one like a walking dead one even though I haven't watched it in a long time but like one of that like a type like that so but yeah so far that has been it and now I feel like like the positive is I feel the same way I felt like a third person or like a someone watching the self-destruction or the depression or the anger from the outside because it wasn't me. I all it's weird because I still kind of feel that way. I definitely don't feel in a daze or hazy, but I feel like, oh wow, I wouldn't have been able to handle that in, mm-hmm. you know, before Prozac, or I wouldn't have been able to like process this situation. And like I finally, excuse me, give a shit about myself. Like you know, I have a fairly busy life as a full-time student and and raising a kid. And I finally have like learned to stop and just, what do I need right now? Let me read a book for 20 minutes. Like, let me go take a bath. Let me, you know, do something to refresh myself. I would have never done that before. I would have just kept going, Mm -hmm. kept going, kept going until I got myself into like a paralyzed state of depression. Yeah. You know, I love I love when you can see like it actually mm-hmm. working because I, yes. I feel like that too. I haven't had a depressive – I haven't had like any suicidal ideation or really That's felt awesome. depressed since I've been on it. Um, even my anxiety because with Lexapro, it's, it's supposed to help with both depression and anxiety. So that was just like an added perk. Like my anxiety was so bad to the point like if I went to out to a restaurant or to a, even the grocery store or some like public place, I would start to get like panicky where – I felt like I was going to pass out and I would have to leave. And I haven't had an episode like that since I've been on it. And I, so I don't know if it's, it could be some other things, but I, I feel like that's, it could possibly be the medication, which is really that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. That's great news. I, like I said, I've tried medication before mm-hmm. I was on Zoloft briefly, um, probably like two years ago. And something that's really important that I just want to share with other people in case they don't know is like, it's so important to take your SSRIs and your medication every single day, yeah. preferably at the same time, because I didn't know that. And I was taking my Zoloft like all over the place yeah. and it made my suicidal ideation much worse. And oh, so wow. making sure you take it every day, preferably at the same time. And also just, it could um, impact everyone differently. So you don't know how it's going to impact sure. you. For sure. I think, yeah, we're lucky. We, the first ones that we tried, it sounds like they're probably a pretty good fit, but I know sometimes it, it can actually make you feel worse. And so then you have to stop and try a different one. And you kind of have to, that's kind of the shitty part about medication that I I can't believe the medical field hasn't figured figured it out yet. We're just like, we're like, take this pill and it might make you like feel like shit or might make your suicidal ideation worse. But you know, we'll see. Fingers crossed. 
Good yeah, luck. It, it kind of is like a fingers crossed kind of thing. Yeah. And it, you're playing with really scary symptoms. So uh, that's something to be, to be aware of is like it could impact people negatively. Yeah, for sure. I have as far as like taking it and um, taking it on time, I have a app called My Therapy. And it um, yeah, it's called my therapy and you can put like, you can put multiple medications in it. So even if it's like birth control or whatever, and it just reminds you at the same, whatever time you decide for it to alert you. And then you can put that you actually put it. Cause I would forget like, Oh shit, did I take it mm-hmm. yet already? And Prozac's pretty forgiving for some, like at least for, it, it is generally pretty forgiving, but for me, it definitely is. So, um, it, it's just helpful to like, know, that I already took it or I didn't take it, you know? Um, but it does yeah. help cause it also, I think you can log different, um, things about it, but it definitely helps you, um, keep track of what time you need to take it and that you did take it or not. So that's helped me oh, a lot. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I'll check out. Yeah. I'll definitely check that app out. Yeah. Yeah. It, so it, it is kind of like weird that there's not any kind of testing to figure out like, you know, what it is that's causing your depression. Like they can't really test for like serotonin levels or anything like that. But I, I believe that there are testing. T- there's testing that can be done for like hormone levels. Have you ever done that? So, okay. So I am in school right now for biomedical science with a focus on neuroscience. So all this is like, oh. I love this stuff. Um, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a super brand new baby in it. So like, even though I'm a senior, I don't, I feel like I don't know anything, but I will say, so I had a couple people talk to me about, there's this, you can technically test for neurotransmitters in your pee. I've been told, and I kind of looked it up a little bit and I, it wasn't convincing because it can change day to day, just like hormones. So I wanted to do a hormone test. Cause I was like convinced I had too much cortisol, like, like the fight or flight, like constantly. Yep. Um, and it does the same thing. It changes, it changes a lot. So it's not like a, uh, what is it? A blood glucose level. And I'm sure if there's someone that knows more, like I, I could be wrong. I haven't done a ton of like research and deep diving into it but it's it's hard because it's very subjective like it's not it's not as easy to test them from what I've looked into because I have wanted to do it myself especially the hormones because after Mm -hmm. having Nolan I'm like I'm so fucked up like I don't think it's bad necessarily like I don't it's not gonna harm you right to do it it's just I know some of them can cost a lot of money I don't know when it started, but now I research everything. Cause I'm like, I'm not like, all of this is expensive. And if it works great, but like, if it doesn't, I'm, you know, wasting money. And some people are fine with that. So. Yeah. And a lot of the, that kind of testing, I, I feel like it comes from like more holistic doctors, Correct. which are, they're not typically covered by insurance. And so you're paying out of pocket and it's really expensive. Right. Which is really, I'm just like so annoyed. I mean, I can yeah. yep. go off about the healthcare system, but. Well, yeah. Cause. Uh. Even, um, I was, cause I tried, um, even weed and CBD before getting on meds and, um, I was super, I had a friend who had a card, so I didn't have to pay the like $300 that it costs to like get like a one-to-one ratio. Like I wasn't even trying to get high cause that freaks me out. I swear it is, it is frustrating that you can't get the holistic stuff as easy. Cause it, it does, there are proven methods that are not fully medical that work and it's expensive though. Yeah, totally. These are the reasons that I 
was drinking. Like these are, this is really mm. the root of my drinking problem was to try to self-medicate my anxiety, my depression. And, and it's like, and now in sobriety, I'm actually, I'm, I'm trying to solve it without that. And it's, it's, there's challenges and it can be hard. And it's, I just wish that the healthcare system was just, there, there's more research, more testing, more available to help people when it came to this. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. there's so much. Yeah. I mean, there's gene. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's very interesting, but it is also very frustrating because there's a lot that we need to do. Um, but when you were talking about the drinking, like it's crazy because yeah, when you get like, especially listening to your podcast with Evan, like when you, when you stop and you now like the things that you were avoiding through alcohol or through whatever vice you're going for, even if it's just sitting for 10 hours in front of the TV, whatever it is, or on your phone, on Instagram, like once you stop, now you have to face it all. So what's helping you face all that shit that you were avoiding, plus the shit that came from you avoiding it. Mm -hmm. And now you're sitting here and we're supposed to just like be able to deal. But yeah, that's kind of the journey I've, I've been on the last, you know, three years is figuring out how to manage this and, um, you know, without alcohol. And now Mm. I'm giving medication a try. And, um, so far it's been, it's been helpful. So I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, I just and I wanted to us to share our stories and our positive experiences and hope that it could maybe encourage other people that might be on the fence like we both were, you know, because yeah, there, sure. there can yeah, there can be some relief from that suffering and it, when we were chatting earlier you mentioned that motherhood plays a huge role in your mental health. How would you explain that? Um so there's I feel like there's a decent amount of factors, but I think one big one is uh how much subconscious shit you have because it comes out in your response to your child especially in stressful situations so there's a book by um dan siegel he's a he's like a neuro he's not a neuroscientist but he he's like a biological science something He's really good. So he has a couple parenting books and one of them is parenting from the inside out. And it basically addresses like your parenting style based on how you were parented. And I have great parents and like, I was super blessed. Um, but there's still stuff that like was generational. There's still stuff that was like, you know, my father tended toward a more anger response than towards like, Hey, teaching. And so that's, I was passing that on. And, um, Hmm. so kind of realizing those things and really having to deal with my own, subconscious shit you know like I'll I'll give an example that one time when Nolan was a baby he had to get blood drawn because he had I don't even remember too much hemoglobin something weird um and and it, and it always sucked because like they had to like slice his little foot like it wasn't like a needle it was like a little slice and then draw blood out and I hated it because he would just like he was a newborn. He would freak out. So a lot of the times Andrew would be there with him. And like, I would just have to hold him down. Like I couldn't even hold him. And so I remember going to the doctor and that having that happen. And then later at night he woke up crying and I just got pissed. And I was like, I can't fucking like, what am I supposed to do for him? And like, I started yelling at Andrew. And then like, I went to the restroom to kind of like gather myself together. And I was like, And I remembered something that was in the book and it was like, oh shit, I'm, I hate that he needs me because before I couldn't do anything for him. Like when he was at the doctor, there was nothing I could do because it needed to happen and I wasn't able to hold him and comfort me. So now when he's 
crying now, that's how I, I feel helpless. Cause I feel like I can't help him even though I can, but I disassociated at the doctor's office. And so I stayed in that dis- disassociated state. Mm. And so I responded in anger as opposed to like, Oh, I'm your mother. I can comfort you. And so it was weird to make those, those connections, but I've had to make them a lot in motherhood. And like therapy has, is like the number one thing that has helped reading books, being, um, having a open relationship with my partner as far as being able to share these feelings that he doesn't get freaked out about. And then the identity thing is a huge factor. I mean, I was a, I was a beer buyer. I was big in that, like going out on Friday nights, going to laser wolf or whatever and hanging out, you know, I was very social, all that stuff. And then to be at home almost 24 seven and exhausted my body, I gained a lot of weight and which is fine, but it was adjusting to this new body. I still honestly am adjusting to not know. I mean, you're thrown into this job that you have no fucking clue because every kid is different. You're different. Your partner's different learning all that stuff. So, I mean, it's a lot of identity. It's a lot of loneliness because even if you have people that you can text, it's still very lonely because every situation is different. Every person is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and society honestly doesn't, I feel like doesn't give a fuck about moms. I think it's getting better, but especially moms who work and moms who are trying to, I want to be careful while I say this, are trying, who have passions that are outside of being a mom. So being a mom, you know, quote unquote, just a mom is a lot of work and it's, it's in and of itself. If that's you know, all you do, that's great. And that's hard work and you're kicking ass. Mm -hmm. But if like, if you dare to have a dream outside of that or dare to have an ambition outside of that, it feels very difficult. I've had to unlearn a lot of, what do you call it? Um, internalized patriarchy that my partner doesn't even put on me, but I put on myself. And so he just goes along with it. It's like, Oh, you've just always cooked. So I didn't know you didn't like to cook. I'm like, I didn't know I didn't like to cook either. Cause I just always thought that's what I was supposed to do, but I'm right. in school full time. You're working. Neither of us want to spend 30 minutes to an hour in the kitchen. So like, what do we do now? Like, what does this modern f- family do? And for a long time I was the one working and he was at home in the mm. beginning. And I, I actually enjoyed that a lot more. And so did he, um, but <laughs> I'm waiting to get my career now when I'm done with school so we can go back to that. But it's just been very interesting to like, realize those roles especially like I'm very interested in the the evolutionary role of motherhood and the difference between mothers and fathers because there is a lot that we instinctually as as mothers do or take on and I'm I'm trying to like separate okay what's what's society what is learned and ingrained in me from society and what is just like no evolutionarily and like for survival this makes sense that I would take this on and then, you know, trying to separate those things because it, it feels like a, a lot yeah. all the time. And there's no break because they're there forever. It hits harder, like coming in from your situation, because it's not like you were tr- you guys were trying to have a kid Correct. and you were like ready for this. You know, you had changed your life so that you're mm-hmm. ready to take this on. You were working in... Mm-hmm. the beer industry and going out a lot and just mm-hmm. surprise here's a kid and figure it out so I think when it just kind of comes out at you, at you like that it's you got to take on these intense changes way faster than you were ready yeah. for or thought that you were going to take on so yeah. it's a lot 
And thankfully, what I will say is, and this might shock people that haven't seen me in a while, but like, we went through the process of making the choice. We weighed our choices. Like we thought about terminating and we thought about keeping and we weighed both of those options. So for that, I'm very grateful because when it gets hard, I can say, I wasn't guilted into this. I didn't Mm -hmm. just do it because my parents or the church or whatever, like, and I had an amazing therapist who was actually a Christian therapist, but like, which I wasn't, I didn't purposely go for, but she was like, you'll survive either decision, you know? And I was like, wow, I can't believe someone who's like from the church is telling me that. But I think that it's very important um, because, and I talk about this a lot with friends, like who are, are not sure if they want to have kids, especially in today's world, like no shame if anyone has like decides to have a kid and like goes and plans it and does it like obviously we have to keep the race like everything going but um it's a lot and I think we're finally getting to the point where people are honest about how how hard it is and how much sacrifice it takes and how much work it takes that so that you don't fuck them up like I know no one's gonna end up in therapy one day even though I'm trying my best we're trying our best we're both working on ourselves so that we can be better parents he's gonna end up in therapy because we're not perfect and we're human the amount of work I put in to like just trying to be a good mom or trying to be a more present, authentic mom is a lot. Like that takes up a lot of mental, because also it gets thrown at you just, you know, they go into one stage and all of a sudden they like flip and they're in this other stage and you're like, oh my God, I just had this one figured out. And how do I do it without like being overbearing and just telling you to do it because I said so and how do I help you be the most authentic person that you can be and like I'm scared of authenticity so how am I supposed to put it on you and it's just it's a lot (laughs) I'm not ready for the social stuff that he's gonna go through because then I know I'm gonna have to address my own like stuff yeah yeah but the thing that I'm getting from all this is that you you care and that you care enough to to be the best mom that you can be it's interesting to talk about this because I like never thought I was gonna have kids Mm -hmm. and it never really crossed my mind in LA because like I could barely afford for, oh, like, I can't imagine for myself. Yeah. <laughs> like every time I would see like families in LA, I'd be like, "How do you afford that that <laughs> <Right>? thing?" <laughs> like, oh um. God. But now that we're like been traveling and we're, we've been in uh, Florida for a few weeks, and especially the area that we're in right now, it's a lot of families. And I'm like, and like we're looking at houses, and they're like, "This has a really great school district." And it's like <laughs> these things are like coming mm-hmm. up, and I'm like, "Okay, do I?" do I want this? And mm. I'm kind of like considering it now. Yeah. And um, I never thought I would. So it's, this is a uh, really interesting to me to have this, these conversations. Anytime right I have another friend who's in the same boat um, in a similar boat. And um, we actually lived with her for a while. So she like got firsthand view of toddler years with Nolan and she's awesome. And she's like, I've actually learned a lot about kids from her cause she went for her master's and like early childhood development and therapy and stuff. But um, it's, it's, a big decision and and there's a lot of factors but anytime you need honest feedback like I don't I won't ever purposely discourage you but I'll be honest I'll be very honest yeah. if you need like yeah I'll tell I you the real <laughs> but overall no that's what I love about you is like I said at the beginning you're you're you give you know you're honest about things and I love that and it sounds like there's definitely some challenges but overall you said like at the beginning like you guys don't deserve him so it sounds like he's just like huge blessing for you he is and there's and I would not be on the path in life had it not been for having him where we were how difficult it was he was a very he was the perfect fit for what both of us needed that's why we're terrified to like ever have another one um because we're like (laughs) we can't get lucky twice um Uh, oh yeah (laughs) I don't even know if I want another one but like 
even if we decided it's like, oh my God. Yeah. And it's, I mean, the hard stuff is just the typical like sleep and, and not having time to yourself. You can't even, you know, like all that yeah. stuff, but that's people that have animals like can kind of relate. Like it is different, <laughs> but like, you know, you have to walk. Can I put dog, my kid right? in the cage? <laughs> God, that would be so easy. No. Um, I don't do that. Just a disclaimer. Um, uh, you know, like they, they have needs. If they're going to be annoying, if you don't run a dog that needs to be run, like if you don't right. exercise a dog, they're going to be fucking annoying. And, and kids, like if you don't engage them, if you don't, um, I mean, just yesterday, Andrew and I were trying to have a conversation and Nolan kept coming in. Sometimes he doesn't give a fuck about us, but like it happens that like every time we're in a serious conversation about like deadlines or life or whatever, it's like, mom, look at this dad, look at this guys, guys, stop talking, stop talking. And it's like, okay, do you need attention right now? So let's take five minutes. Let's give you some attention and then we can like get on. But there's, it's just constant interruptions. But yeah. I know one day and I, I would cry. I'm going to cry thinking about this, but like one day he's not going to want me. And one day he's not going to want to snuggle me and uh, care what I'm doing and what he's doing. And so I got to Maybe he will. I <laughs> maybe, hope so. Maybe he'll just live with you until he's 40 and never leave. As a Hispanic mom, I hope that that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I'm trying to not raise a typical, like, mama's boy that can't do anything. He yeah. will know how to, like, empty the dishwasher and do his own laundry, I swear. <laughs> Aww. Does he like anything, like, music or dinosaurs? Like, what? So he's into... Super into dinosaurs, Paw Patrol. Um, Paw Patrol. So he loves, um, he hates, like, he won't go get a lizard. Like, he's scared of lizards, but he loves learning about reptiles, like snakes. So, like, he talks a big talk, but if he saw a lizard, he runs away. Um, oh, actually, I need to ask you this because I don't have any, I really don't have a lot of friends that are moms, um, <laughs> except for you. So, <laughs> um, can you please tell me what Coco Melon is? So... I proudly cannot because that will not oh. go on in my house. No, okay. it's like, so it's, I, I'm not hundred percent sure it's, it's on Netflix, but I think it's, it sounds really annoying from like the little clips that come on on Netflix, like the music, but I guess it's really addicting to kids. Like they love it. Yeah. It's been in like the top 10 on Netflix for like months. And that and I'm toy like was like hot the hot thing for Christmas this year. Like how Tickle Me Elmo was back in the day. Oh. Like people were paying big money for this Coco Melon doll. Okay. I didn't even know there's a doll. Okay. Yeah, well, he's, that's interesting. Yeah. Thankfully he's not into that kind of stuff. He's, he loves to dance. So I'm like, Aww. am I going to put him in dance or gymnastics one day? Like I'm, but he's, he's into math too, which he does not get from me. That's definitely a, a, Andrew thing um he doesn't like art or coloring which is sad to me but whatever does he like Adam Sandler he hasn't I have not introduced him to Adam Sandler yet I tried to get him I've been watching Impractical Jokers a lot lately just to like have background music background noise when I'm doing homework and so he started watching it with me and he thought it was funny he's a goofster so like I I would love to introduce him to like that humor because I feel like we don't have that anymore that like get him into the Chris Farley SNL type stuff yeah, I, I remember we used to watch The Wedding Singer all the time. All the time. And we used to sing the Sloppy Joe song. Yes. Oh my God. I got, <laughs> SNL. I got a ukulele and Sloppy Joe is like, I'm, it's my lazy meal. Like, and it does, they don't taste good. Like I just, Andrew knows like, oh wow, you're, you're like, have nothing in you if you, if you make a Sloppy Joe. So I just brought out my ukulele and I started singing it terribly. Sloppy Joe's. Sloppy, yes, Sloppy yes, Joe's. Yes, yes. um, but speaking of comedy. I'm always super interested and I know like we're probably heading to the end of our time, but um, 
I just have to say, like, I've always admired you for doing that stint of like stand up, and mm. you are hilarious. Um, and I always like think of you because I'm sh- like, I feel like that's such a hard thing to just like start doing, like, especially when you talk about your anxiety. I'm like, like, how did you do that? Like, I would kiss yeah. myself. Like, I would, fr- <laughs> like, I'm fine talking in front of people if it's given to me, if what I have to say is given to me, or I know a lot about the topic. But I feel like comedy is very raw and like, you can't copy someone, you can't sound like someone else. You really have to, like, you have to practice, but you don't. You have to ha- know what you're going to say, but also be able to improv. Like, I've just been very impressed. And I, like, I lo- anytime I'm, like, nervous to start something new, I'm, like, I just, like, you You are in that group of people that I'm, like, oh, but they they tried something new. They were good at it. And, like, and even people who weren't good at it. But, like, I don't know. I just always think of you because it was, like, Aww. I loved it. It was so Aww. funny. The tampon, the tattoo, take my tampon or whatever. Oh, <laughs> Oh my God. I loved it. That was so Aww, good. And then the, the, the joke about, um, you went to a Christian school. So basically you have an eighth grade education. See, I remember <laughs> these things. It's been years and my memory is <laughs> shit, but I love, like you were yeah. so funny. I was ready to what? see you on SNL. But, oh, thank you. Yeah. That was, what was that joke? I have a, I went to a Christian co- high school and a Christian college. So mm-hmm. basically I have a middle school. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it's funny that you say that. Cause like thinking about doing stand up now, like gives me a panic attack. Like that's I don't, so, I don't that's think so I could do it now. Yeah. It was something that I always wanted to try just so badly yeah. and do. So I, that gave you the, I guess the motivation to do it. I was also drinking at the time. So, um, which helps. But, yeah. But I was always really careful. I would never like get drunk on stage. Right, um, right. There were like a few occasions that happened and I was so embarrassed. And so I would like my, the most I would have is like a, a, a drink before. And then afterwards right. I would like yeah. have so much anxiety yeah. from so being on stage. I, yeah. I would just drink a ton afterwards, but yeah, it was a fun ex- experience to go through and I'm glad I did it, but I don't know if I would want to do it again. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm sure obviously your personality and your like uh, sense of humor comes out in your podcast, but it was, it was good stuff. I just appreciate you having me and doing this podcast and like allowing a platform for people to share their stories so that other people can realize that they're not alone. Cause that's a huge thing right now. Um, especially as we've been somewhat isolated for the past year and a half, you know, I think platforms that are allowing people to not feel alone are, are really important. And, you know, you could be saving a lot of people's lives and, um, I think that's really awesome. So I appreciate that. I just wanted to like mention, you know, like this podcast isn't just about sobriety. It's just mm. a, here as a platform for people to tell stories about their mental health and help hopefully help others and inspire others and really help people get honest with themselves about whatever they need, whatever that, that looks like. So, um, so yeah, thank you so much for, for being here today and sharing your story. It was awesome to catch up with you. Thank you for having me. Same. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to help support the podcast, you can do so by subscribing and leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Also, follow us on Instagram at Soberland underscore podcast.